Episode 9, Chapter 3, Why the World Needs a Gracious Message. This is another excerpt from uh, Chapter 3 of the book. We are moving through this pretty quickly. So uh, this is a a conversation that happens uh, from when I was in Israel. So I spent a couple of summers in Israel, not the full summers, but some time in Israel, two summers in a row where I was there with some kids um, leading worship and kind of going around to holy sites and seeing some things. So uh, this is this starts and kind of picks up while I'm in Israel. Years ago, I was on a bus somewhere between Jerusalem and Hebron when we passed a group of angry people burning tires and Israeli flags in the street. It was a surprising scene for an American kid, and it was permanently embedded in my mind because of the jarring violence and anger that it showed. These people's frustrations with their situation was palpable, and it had escalated to the place where they chose to lash out in anger and vandalism. In years since, I have wondered what has happened to those young kids in the streets. Were they able to overcome their anger, or did it advance further to the point where they could not overcome it? Pain is hard. We all have it, and there isn't a solution on earth that can destroy it. The degrees of pain can differ, certainly, The pain experienced by a multimillionaire in the United States is certainly different than the pain of a child in Africa who is starving, but there are no gradients of pain that have any more or less impact on the soul. It is the burden that kills us. One of the most complex issues of our day is that media has made it easy to see many of the hardships and tragedies in the world through the accessibility of the internet and television. That ease allows us to assess for ourselves from the comfort of our affluent surroundings and uninformed perspectives what is just and righteous. The trap is that when we see suffering, we immediately find compassion in our hearts and place a scale of pain being experienced, a scale on the pain being experienced. I have no idea of what it's like to be hungry and an orphan, but neither does anyone know the pain that my dark secrets and life have caused me. When we spend our energy grading out the pain associated with what we we see, we fail to heed what Jesus wanted us to comprehend about loving one another. The prodigal son is a wonderful parable about this temptation we all have to judge pain and justify our righteousness. In this parable, as always, Jesus starts the discussion with several different examples demonstrating human responses, including in the case of a lost sheep, a lost coin, And then finally, the lost son. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Jesus said, suppose one of you had a handful, a hundred sheep and lost one. 
Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I've found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul returns to God. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother's come home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has been home, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off an angry sulk in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But if you, have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away all your money on whores and other horrible things shows up and you go out and give him a huge feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time. And we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead. And he actually is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. This parable is often used to explain the grace of God. And it's, good, and it's a good illustration of it. But I also think that Jesus was, talking to, uh, was asking us to look at one another for the pure value of our humanity. When a soul is in pain, redemption has unmeasurable value to the one who receives it. The story isn't just about a sheep or a coin or a son that's lost. It's also about the people who find joy in the restoration.
The shepherd is glad to have his sheep among the flock. The woman is thrilled to have found the precious coin, and the father is is overjoyed by the return of his son. Redemption is only one part of the story, however, and Jesus polishes the parable off by introducing the judgmental older son. The older son makes his assessments of the situation, decides what was fair and what wasn't, judges the father and the son for their cavalier approach to it all, and proudly proclaims his resentment of the whole scene. The final lines of the parable seem to point to the idea that making these kinds of assessments about others' pain and journey may not be what's best in human relationships. Don't you understand you are with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours, the father says? He's asking the older brother not to grade the situation in relationship to his own. It's almost as if the father is saying to the older son, you have your troubles and so does he. Can't we agree that redemption belongs to both of you? Uh, years ago, I wrote a song. I'll play it at the end of the podcast. And I wrote a song called Prodigal Son. And um, I'm going to play the very original of it. It's one that I did with a friend of mine when I first met in college. And he, it's a friend of mine that's later on described in the book. And um, pro- the, the song was, you know, sort of for me, the whole story of the prodigal son was always about, you know, somebody who really had struggled and sinned and there was all this kind of depravity and then here's God's goodness. Um, Over the years, the second son story is actually the one that I resonate with the most because I think it's, it's actually the more poignant of the situation. You know, uh, God says, Hey, well, look, they found their sheep and they celebrated and they, they, they brought back and said, Hey, why don't you come with us and have a big celebration? And we lost our coin. So wouldn't you celebrate with me? And then uh, he says, we lost my son. Come celebrate with me. And the response is, nah, thanks anyway. You never did anything for me. In fact, I've been good all this time. And look what you've done. You've just sort of cast me aside. And, and he comes back and he gets barbecued beef and I get nothing. It's so fascinating to me that we as humans want to try to sort of grade ourselves in that situation we want to say hey we we are owed more than we are i think it comes back to that concept that i i'm initially attracted to describing which is that we actually think we deserve the salvation that we get from god we actually believe somewhere in our soul that we're righteous that we actually have lived well enough to deserve what god is offering i just know myself too well i know what i'm incapable of as a human. I know I'm, I'm not a good person. I know that I'm, I have bad thoughts. I don't act well. I don't treat others as well as I would love. I'm, I can be a failure as a dad and as a husband and as a son and as a brother, um, as a friend. I, I have notoriously had troubles with honesty in my life at other times. And I know myself to be that way. And, and so, yeah, I resonate with the son that has gone off and, uh, been in a terrible place and squandered all of his money on other things. But more often than not, I actually, I actually see the church participating in being the older son who looks at those of us that don't actually fit the mold and says, yeah, I don't know if you really belong here. I don't really know if redemption is really equitable for you as it is for me, because look at what I've done. I've come to church and I've 
gone to all my stuff and I've done my Bible studies and I've gotten up in the morning and prayed every day and read my Bible. I've done all the things that everybody said I should be doing in order to be disciplined in the faith. I wonder, just generally, if we wouldn't be better off to try to own into the space of gratitude that is the lost son. The one who says, I, you know what, I don't deserve this. I can't, I, I should just probably work alongside your workers. I can't believe that, I, I, I know I sort of, I know I sort of have an inheritance in blood and lineage with you, but I just don't know if I could even, I know what I am. And I know that you probably shouldn't even accept me into this space. And God comes along and says, no, actually, I want to throw a party for you. And I'm so glad that you want to be with me. I'm so glad that we we can have this kind of relationship and conversation. And what a blessing all of this is that we get to do this together. I, uh, I think that's such a beautiful picture. And I think it's such in contrary positioning to the older brother, who I actually think is those of us who have been religious in our lives too. And we think we're owed something. Gosh, all I've ever done is great things for God. I've gone to church. I've tithed. I've done the things. I've showed up and played in the band and I did it all for free and no one ever gave me any gratitude. And gosh, don't I just actually kind of deserve this? I should probably just deserve my salvation. God should be thrilled with my, with me as a servant of his. He should be thrilled of all the work I've done for him in order to make sure that he knows that I'm right alongside him. It's a fine line between gratitude and being owed. And they're almost indistinguishable from time to time. It's easy to get into a space that you think you're owed something. Entitlement is a very complicated um, it's a very complicated emotion. It's a very complicated thing. And yet, it's very easy to feel entitled. We feel entitled to healthcare. We feel entitled to um, monetary compensation. We feel entitled to having no student debt. We feel entitled to all sorts of things. And that is kind of an insidious thing that creeps in that even though we've said we probably don't deserve it, we kind of do deserve it. And I think this is God calling us out in that space. We aren't owed a single red cent. We're not owed a single ounce of salvation, but because of his goodness, he said, I think I'd like to give it to you anyway. I feel like if we could understand that as people and as humans, we would be so much better off than the than living in this other place, living in the church, feeling like, look at all the great things we've done. Look at all that we're owed because of the great stuff we're doing. We're always at the at the table at the church asking if somebody needs something to come to a Bible study, if they want to connect with a life group, if they want to be somewhere else uh, serving with us. I think we think somehow that's doing something that God needs. And I don't know if he needs it. Honestly, I think he just wants us. I think he just is looking for us. I think he's just looking for that son who says, you know what? I just don't know that I got, I have it. I don't think I have this. The daughter who says, I just, gosh, I'm really not that great. 
I've really fallen apart. I've stumbled everywhere. And I just don't know if I'm really even, do I even really belong? I think he says you do. And I think he says you do despite what you think you've done. I think he also says to the older brother in this strange moment of compassion, you, you've had your troubles. He, he, your brother has his troubles, but so do you. So can't we agree that redemption belongs to both of you? Can't we agree that redemption, your sin, is that you're too prideful and think you're entitled to what redemption is? His sin is that he's wandered off and lived in wanderlust. But you both sinned. You both fell short of what God actually has for you. And can't you imagine that God just has redemption for both of you? It's a beautiful picture. It's a cool thing. Uh, This song is um, called Prodigal Son. I wrote it, uh, gosh, a long time ago. I was on my way to college. And um, I linked up with a really good friend in college. And we wrote this together. And we learned to sort of play and sing harmony playing this song and another song. Um, but this was one of our first songs that we ever put together. And I think it's, um, it speaks a lot of what I feel in my life about the goodness that I have received from my family for sure. But also I think, um, it speaks a little bit to this whole concept that I, I'm, I'm not necessarily owed, uh, this redemption life. I'm just, given it and it's a a beautiful gift so this is uh prodigal son the band that we were in was called moskill and uh, this is by myself and john gay morning dad and i in the front seat of the car hug my sister and kiss my mom told them that i'd be along real soon behind Didn't think they'd cross country lines Sometimes in my life It's been easier to run Sometimes in my life
Thanks for listening. Uh, appreciate you always following up with us and kind of we're starting to see some more people subscribe to the podcast. We're thrilled about that. So um, if you have other stuff that you want to visit with us about, of course, join in with us at Careless in the Care. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us or you can, uh, you know, get a hold of us. The book's for sale there as well. So carelessinthecare.com. Uh, come over and visit with us. We'd be thrilled to have it. We'll be uh, we'll be back again as soon as we can. And thanks for listening. <laughs>